You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 423. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the German Netflix post-apocalyptic series, Tribes of Europa. So, uh, how's your week been so far? Well, <laughs> uh, back to school is always kind of, that's not necessarily a bummer, you know, it's it's after a couple months, seeing all the people you work with, your friends with, and everything, it's, it's great, and... Um, of course, you're getting you know a little you know jazz to see you know, the new group of kids, but unfortunately, there's this thing called the school board that's in the way that wants to come and crap on everyone's parade, and every year they just add stuff onto us. You know, it's like you know here's what you did before, now you have to do more. You know, and it's just it's just getting to a point. It's just absolute ludicrous. But the one thing I say is our principal this year has been awesome. And has been kind of saying, kind of like putting the things that we've been given in terms of, okay, here's how it breaks down for what you actually have to do. So it's not that bad, you know. But, you know, it's always it's always just stress. Like, why do, why do you have to be this stressed? I'm trying to get ready for the year, and they're just trying to stress me out, you know. Yeah. You remember. I, 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 I told myself remember. I wouldn't bring this to your door, Dave. I know you don't want to hear yeah. it. That's okay. And then as you told me, uh, you got a new department head. And, and I, I think if I was still there, I, I'm certain that I would uh, be in favor of, of his appointment, as would Kate's, I'm sure, as well. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> now for me, um, got together with my brother today for the first time oh, awesome. in a year and a half. God, maybe even close to two years. I mean, certainly since the pandemic, no question. So, uh, so that was really cool. He, he's, uh, four years younger than I am and, uh, just the two of us. And, and, uh, you, you know, I'm, I was kind of waiting for you to say, well, oh, geez, where does he live? And I was going to say, uh, River Hill. Oh, does he? <laughs> so it's not like we, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not like we live far away. Well, but I, I know now, like you've been very careful over the last year and a half. So I, have, you know, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I actually thought he was in Westminster, but it's, it's uh, your wife's brother that's in Westminster, right? Correct. Yeah, or that's right, right. So, uh, so that was really cool, uh, you know, seeing him. And now we'll, you know, now that he retired as well, we'll be able to start getting together, you know, more often. But uh, yeah, why is he living um, in Clarksville if he doesn't have kids in school, man? I'm like, well, you know, I, like, that's I, I an think, expensive you know, ass place to live. <laughs> well, he, he, now he he lives off Great Star, and yeah. The, his daughter initially was supposed to go to River Hill, and then they changed the boundaries, which freaked his wife out. Um, she ended up going to Athelton and absolutely loved it. I mean, she got a great education. She's out of college, living in England now. And uh, so I, I think for them, it's like one of those cases, hey, the house has been paid for for a while. We love to travel. And, dude, when I tell you they like to travel, they travel. Right. So, uh, you know, I think he just like, hey – like I said, house is paid for. Well, yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. Here. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I keep yeah. I, every now and then I forget that you're actually from that area and, and everything. So. Yeah. 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 So, uh, all right. Well, listen, um, for you guys out there, if you want to check in with us, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. And we definitely have a lot to talk about this week with this episode and and as we said the episodes are a bit shorter but what i'm watching is a netflix show called the defeated that just dropped oh maybe about a week or so ago Mm, is it about the orioles yeah (laughs) (laughs) no that's the embarrassed oh okay yeah yeah Um, the embarrassment yeah this uh this takes place in 1946 post-war germany i just read about this yeah this looks good yeah Right. An American detective is tasked to organize a German police force in one of the towns. And it's one of these deals where they give him absolutely nothing. It's almost like they want him to fail and, you know, they get caught up in, in, in so- solving certain crimes. And, and, and so far, it's so good. But, but one of the main characters, I, I keep looking at her. I'm like, I know her. I know her. And look, half the time I've got my laptop. Uh, handy so i'm looking people up on imdb so finally i look her up and the actress's name is ann rata which i'm sure i mispronounced badly 
but we know her as the adult Enes Conwald oh, from Dark. Okay. Yeah, looks. Yeah, I don't want to say totally different because I I I knew I knew her, but looks really. She doesn't really have that little so, thing on her face like it's tough to. Right? You know, I, I as soon as I said that. I'm thinking, you know what? I didn't even notice if she had that yeah, or not. I'd probably not. So, yeah, I'm sure they just did it for the character. Yeah. Now, the other show I watched was on HBO Max called White Lotus. And this is one that my wife picked, and I... Had to go I, I was pretty, I was pretty obvious that I wasn't happy <laughs> with choosing this show. But as it turned out, it was pretty good. Okay. Sort of a dark dramedy starring Steve Zahn. Connie Britton, Alexandra Diadario, Sydney Sweeney, and Murray Bartlett. And did you ever watch Faulty Towers? I love Faulty with Towers. John Cleese. Yes. Well, well, the guy that's the head of this hotel, because it's the rich who are vacationing in this swanky Hawaiian hotel, and the guy that's the manager is sort of like a 21st century Basil Faulty. Mm-hmm. So it's got that kind of a vibe to it. But there's also a darkness to it. So it it really turned out to be pretty good. I, I must say, I mean, certainly the ending was a, a huge shocker. It is getting a season two. I have no idea what they're going to do with season two. But White Lotus it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. All right, so. cool. Yeah, that's another one that um, I've uh, read about and have been mulling about in my head. But uh like right now, it's trying to trying to stay away from from series. You know, try, I, though I do have um, La Casa de Papel is uh, or Money Heist is coming up on September third, and so now I know I'm like, I know I said I wasn't going to really get into a series, but I should really at least go back and watch the last season of that before the new season pops up. So, um, and of cool. course, Doom Patrol uh, is the new season is coming up the end of September too. So. I have some, some, maybe some rewatching commitments there. But as it is, I am still watching movies, just straight up watching movies. Though I admit I have kind of gone back and watched a couple episodes of Leverage, uh, old episodes of Leverage, and just remembering how awesome that show was. But so today I'm going to talk about movies and i have a lot to talk about i'm not going to talk about all of them in any kind of detail because there's like six movies that I, but so what i'm going to do is i'm going to i'm going to rank them i have five different categories from horrible to excellent and i'm going to tell you what movies i've watched in like the last week and a half and give you my my rankings for them okay okay all right so the first one is is one star which is horrible maybe even less than one star and the horrible movie that i watched was Lost World Jurassic Park, a.k.a. Jurassic Park 2. The Jurassic Park movies came out on HBO Max this past week, and I had only ever actually seen the first one. Well, besides the two new, new ones with Chris Pratt. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a Jurassic Park, you know, go back. I'm going to go watch all the Jurassic Park movies. I'll talk about the first one a little bit here. Obviously, we're not going to put the first one in this category. But the second one immediately went right downhill. Just awful in almost every way. In as many ways as the first one was amazing, uh, the second one was terrible. So I'm going to move on. Okay. The next category is not very good. Not horrible, but not very good. And in that category, I'm putting Jurassic Park 3. Probably the only thing that saves this from being in the horrible category is the fact that they brought back Sam Neill. Who was a, a you know re- reprised his role from the original movie, and uh, and Laura Dern has kind of cameo in it. And I guess Laura Dern, if she's in anything, I'm going to immediately give it a better grade and everything. So a ridiculous, absolutely ludicrous plot, um, and you, that's something from someone who likes the Jurassic Park movie, <laughs> the first one. Uh, but yeah, the plot is just ridiculous. Uh, William H Macy's in it; he was pretty good uh, overall. Not 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 very good. So, the next category is not as good, but still pretty good. So I was actually going from the from the top down like that. So, not I, I'm, it's not in the pretty good category, which is the next one, but still not it's not bad. It's 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 really solidly in the middle, and that is reminiscent with uh, Hugh Jackman. I don't know if you you seen that one on HBO. 
I've seen it, and I mean, I haven't watched the movie, but I know what you're talking about. And my wife and I were actually talking about that uh, the other night, and she said, hey, "You can watch that on your own." Yeah, I, so. I don't know if you're going to want to, Dave. Um, okay, it, it, it was it was okay. It's a pretty decent action movie. Uh, basically, Hugh Jackman is a guy who has who who can um, allow people to go back in there he can bring people back into their memories he puts them in like this this kind of bath hooks them up to all this stuff and he can actually talk them back through their memories so if like like I, the the one lady who comes in says i lost my keys where can you help me find them he just kind of walks her back through her memory and finds out where her keys are stuff like that um obviously there's people who go in there to remember uh, fond memories. So in other words, it's kind of like a drug, right? They have the one lady who comes in every week. She's just trying to remember this one moment with this one guy that she was with. And so she just kind of goes over. So in, in, in some ways, people are kind of like stuck in motion and everything. So, and of course, the plot is, goes on from there. It was, like I said, okay. It, it, I mean, Hugh Jackman obviously is awesome. He, you know, he's such a great actor. Uh, um, oh, Tandy Newton is also in it. Who is she's probably the best part of of the movie. It was just okay. Yeah, in the end, like, eh. It, they kind of build it as like a time travel movie, and it's really not. The, the narratively, it does jump around a little bit, but anyway. So, not as good, but still pretty good. as reminiscent. Okay, now in the pretty good the. Next to last category, I'm going to put I Am Mother. Have you ever heard of this one? I have, yeah. Yeah. But I haven't seen it. It's good. It was, it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> I put it in the pretty good category. Not excellent. I wouldn't say it was excellent, but it was, it was a, a very, very good movie. Um, well done, especially it has a very controlled set. You know, like it basically all takes place in this. Um, it's, it's basically, uh, uh, it starts off with a, uh, you see a robot taking an embryo out of a like a cryogenic type thing, puts it into a a, a beaker or whatever. A couple hours later, a baby pops out, and then the robot raises the baby into a little girl. And then so it, it kind of jumps forward to now the girl's a teenager, and the the mother is is the robot, right, and everything. And so, obviously, the, the I don't want to get into the plot because, you know, I, I feel I would spoil things if I did. But it was really good. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, very nice, very slick-looking movie. Uh, very cool. Great concept. A lot of twists in the plot. And in the end, you're still kind of wondering, not necessarily what's going on, but just kind of wondering, is, is who's good, who's bad, and things like that. I don't know. Highly recommended. Okay, so now I've I have three movies that I put into the excellent category. So and, and I'll, I'll hurry up here. I know. <laughs> so the first one is a movie I saw for my eleventh birthday for my birthday party. Um, I, I had my parents take me and a bunch of my friends to see Time Bandits by Terry Gilliam. I don't know if it was his oh, first yeah. movie, but it was an early one. That's such a, that movie's definitely held up. It's still awesome. It, you know, it's it's great. Uh, Goofy is just I love Terry Gilliam. And his goofy look on the world. And if you don't like Brazil and everything like that, or 12 Monkeys. Yeah, he did 12 Monkeys. Um, the 12 Monkeys is yeah. a little bit more mainstream. Uh, the Fisher King, things like that. So if you're not a fan of his work, then Time Bandits will not be for you. But if you like Terry Gilliam's work, then you'll love Time Bandits. And, of course, a lot of the Monty Python guys have uh, have cameos in that. Um, the next one, again, I'm gonna, I don't really need to talk about it, is the first Jurassic Park movie. Uh, I'm sure even you've seen that one, right? I have, yes, yeah. I have. I mean, it's a classic. Read the book. Yeah, it's a great book. It's an amazing movie. It's an absolute classic movie of all time. Um, probably, I would say, it's got to be up there in the top 15, top, maybe even top 10 of all time, uh, especially talking science fiction, action adventure movies. It is absolutely amazing. It is flawless. Uh, it ushered in an age of computer graphics that we are still. Even even in today's age, you still look at Jurassic Park. And you're like, that movie looks freaking amazing, you know. Like the dinosaurs look completely real, which is not really the case for the next two movies quite so much. It was just such a revolutionary movie. Uh, great, great, great actors. The kids were awesome. It Th- that girl, the the, the young girl, it the little girl, like the Hammond's uh-huh. granddaughter. She's 41 now. <laughs> wow! Can you believe that? 
That blew my mind. Ah, uh, yeah. She's 41. <coughs> Which actually made me feel a little bit young. Because I'm like, well, you know, maybe I'm not as old as I thought. Because when I was saw that movie, when I was like 22 years old, I thought that girl was a lot younger than I am. But as it turns out, she's not, not so much. So uh, anyway, Jurassic Park was awesome. Now, the absolute best movie I've seen in the last week and a half, maybe the best movie I've seen in a long, long time is this Korean movie called The Call. Have you ever heard of The Call? No. It is amazing. It is so good. Basically, uh, this lady uh, goes to this house. I can't remember in the end if they used to live there or not. Um, but she goes to this house. The phone rings. She picks it up, and it's a girl from 20 years ago calling her on the – like literally calling her from 20 years ago. So she's talking to the girl back in 1999, and here she is in 2019 – and, you know, they can talk to each other and everything. So I, I, I don't want to give up more. I know that's like you, you hear that. You're like, that doesn't sound like a very – but the, it, trust me, it is amazing. It's, it's very tense, you know, dark, very dark movie, very tense. Uh, if you – you know, it's very like a, the, a thriller in the, in the most absolute sense of the word. Just an out – like a movie that I was just – my heart was just racing – Almost the whole movie. And and the ending will kind of blow your mind. Because there's an ending and then they have like this mid credit scene that just basically pulls down its pants and craps all over the ending. You just, I shouldn't say, it. I'll just, I give it away too much. But uh, the call was, it was, it was very, 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 very good. Just outstanding, especially as a thriller, was absolutely outstanding. Uh, can't recommend it highly enough. Unless you don't like movies that are very tense and thriller related, then uh, you know if you if you don't want to see a movie that's going to have your heart racing and have you on the edge of your seat and nervous and anxious pretty much the whole time, then don't go see it. But if you're kind of into that kind of stuff, then the call is definitely the movie for you. Boom! All right, I'm done. Sorry, I know it took All a right. long time. But. That's okay. It's like the old days here at the Sci-Fi TV <laughs> rewatch. Knee. Fatalists. All right. Anyway, (laughs) Tribes of Europa, Chapter 4, Episode 4 of Season 1, written by Benjamin Seiler, Jana Burbach, Philip Koch, who wrote Episodes 2 through 6, directed again, Philip Koch, dropped on February 19th, 2021. You know, the one thing that I still don't really have a good handle on, and maybe that's to be expected, is this idea of the black swarm that we hear about from that Asian couple that Moses and Elia meet along the way. Uh, any ideas about that? I mean, we'll talk about that, but you know, in, in terms of plot points that just kind of get thrown out there at us, this, this is pretty significant. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of like theories, but I don't really, I mean, at, at this point I can't, for sure. Say now, the, the area they kind of come from, I think, is not f- too far. Like they came from the the Altai Mountains, which are kind of convergence of Mongolia and China and Russia and Kazakhstan. I think it's right around, like near the, the this this plain that the Mongols came from, then they swept over like almost all of like Eastern Europe and everything. So I wonder if, you know, again, we've had a lot of references to like the Roman empire and, you know, the ancient, you know, of, of sure. history, you know, is this a group that's not unlike Genghis Khan and, and, and his uh, group of Mongols that came down and, and, you know, swarmed through, you know, Eastern, what, sorry, Western Russia and in Eastern Europe, you know, or is it, you know, well, it, it kind of calls to mind like the Atlanteans, right? So are the Atlanteans, are they like, you know, the, are they in opposition to this black swarm? You know, are they trying to stop? Is that why like the plane was flying over Germany? You know, was that because, you know, they're trying to find a way to stop this thing? You know, is it, is it a human thing or is it a supernatural thing or is it, you know, like a, a, a virus or a disease or, a, you know, I don't, 
you know, I, I, I really don't have any solid ideas at this time, but it certainly is, is a, for, for a family to migrate from Mongolia all the way to Germany, it must be pretty bad. Right. And, and that's the beauty of the fact that we don't know, as you said, is the black swarm, is that an army that perhaps they're wearing black uniforms and they're seen as a black swarm. I'm kind of going with the viral pandemic, but I mean, not that I have any evidence that that in fact is true. And then, and then of course, from where does it originate? I mean, we certainly get the sense that it originates, you know, East as you uh, point out and, and, and who is responsible for it. So yeah, I, I like the way that's, you know, I don't even want to say thrown out because that almost implies it was done haphazardly, which I don't think it was. And and that was a really telling scene because it's not as if Moses and Elia have everything they need, plenty of everything. I mean, we saw that can that he opened up that right. one time of, I don't even know what it was initially, beans. Looked maybe, like, yeah, maybe know. black beans. It was, yeah, it didn't look good. Yeah. So to to then share everything they've got, you know, again, I think that was that was pretty telling. So uh, I, I like the way that was given to us. And then I, for me, this episode again, it, it examines each of the three siblings, and and that's to be expected at this point. But it, it seemed like there was more emphasis placed on Keanu and Lord Varvara at at this point. And so, which I, I really liked a lot. So, yeah, I mean, we got a little um, bit of Liv in this one, but, and a little bit of Elia, but yeah, definitely uh, the, certainly the most compelling um, story in this episode is, is Keanu's. Yeah. And, and I refer to it as Keanu gets a promotion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, as we speculated last week, all right, he's not going to die on the wire, but dude, <laughs> that was pretty cool in a, sick well, kind of way yeah. <laughs> i mean you see it it seems like a brutal way but you think it's actually probably pretty quick you know like yeah i mean it, very guillotine ish yeah of course yeah you know not as quick as a guillotine but but still fairly quick for you know i guess like the resources that they have you know it's not like you have someone with a a, a machete or something that's gonna make a big mess of it and everything. I don't know. I mean, there's probably, they could come more humane ways of doing it, but as it is, it's not the worst though. It's pretty, it's rough to watch, you know, like especially yeah, that scene was. where you're just like, they start lifting them up and about after they've been lifted up a couple of feet, you're like, Oh, I know. What's, yeah, exactly. You know, like I know what's what the end result of this is going to be, you know, like, Right. Um, yeah, right. certainly now, much worse than dying by watching uh, the HBO show, which would have been much yeah, better. Now, now, he's released, sent to Hakkar, and we've talked about the world building going on in this series, and, and this turns out to be Varvara's estate, and it is starkly different than anything we've seen in that, number one, it's got all the comforts that we're used to. You know, certainly everybody's clean. They've got clean clothes. They're, you know, I mean, you, you, we could speculate about the food, and Fred does that in his feedback as to why they're eating, you know, these cubes of, you know, whatever. And we've kind of seen that in, in futuristic sci fi shows before. But he's introduced to the Lubovniks, which are the upper echelon slaves so these are her special slaves Uh, you know in 2021 we might refer to them still as boy toys and that's exactly what i put down in my notes right and i mean they've got food drink beds her best slaves and and apparently she doesn't risk their safety you know so so we see him kind of getting acclimated and again, he's one of these characters, and and I wish I could remember the character in the show that I'm one of the shows I'm watching with my wife. It, it's like, why on earth would you act like I, I don't know the, this badass person that's going to rebel against everything that's being ex- told that is expected of you when you hold absolutely zero power in the situation? Right. It's like shut up and do what you're told. 
Well, I, mean, I mean, did you not just see the guys' heads rolling on the floor? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, I mean, the thing – I, I thought about this a lot because, you know, if Vivara were an older male and Keanu was a younger female, I think – we would probably see this a lot differently than we do. And, you know, the first time I watched this, I'm like, wow, you know, because Vivar is an attractive lady. Like, ah, he gets to have sex with Vivar. But I'm like, well, no, he was he was raped. Like, that was totally non-consensual. Um, and I guess some people might say that, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's like this way of thinking that a, a, it's impossible for a male to have non-consensual sex, right? Because, you know, <laughs> but, well, but, but, but it... I, it it is like he he was not okay with that, and afterwards you look at him, and he doesn't look like he's okay afterwards. He doesn't you know like he looks horrified. He looks traumatized. So well, I, yes, I agree. But I'm talking about even b- before we get to that point, in that he shows up for dinner, he refuses to put on the makeup that he's told to put on. Okay, dude, number one, you see everybody else has got the makeup on. He's telling you this is what's expected. You come to a nicely appointed table, fold your arms. No, I'm not going to eat. It's like, what are you, six? I mean, okay, fine. But what's with the attitude? And then, of course, she throws his food on the floor and makes one of the others eat it like a dog, which is, of course, that whole coach kind of coach thing. You know, when one player shows up late, you make the whole rest of the team run except the person that was late. Right. So... So, I mean, I agree with what you're saying when we get to that scene, but for me, leading up to it, dude, what's with the attitude? You don't hold any cards in this situation. Yeah. So I don't, I don't see why you think this is a good idea to act this way. I mean, I, I, I do see that, and, I, and I, I kind of concede the point there a little bit, but I just think that he inherently recognizes how – I mean, this is – he he has absolutely no experience with the world like this. He has very little experience with the world as it is at all, really. He he grew up with the Origines, right? They they lived secluded in the forest. He really, you know, knew very little of the outside world. Certainly has never seen anything like Vivara and her uh, Lubovniks. You know, like this is just something he's absolutely has you know, never seen before and has no experience with. So I think part of it is just the, the kind of the shock of the whole thing and his realization that, you know, this is really super wrong. Like this is messed up. Well, it, well it is. And I mean, as you said that, I mean, the, the scene where she has sex with him the first time and orders him to undress, which of course he fights against, She's got those blades on her fingers, which are kind of hot in a <laughs> whatever kind of way. Puts a knife to his throat, tells him if he comes before her, she'll cut his head off. And in my notes for the next point, Keanu still has his head. Well, but obviously one of the other Lubovniks is jealous because uh, apparently Keanu has risen to the number one status rather quickly. So we'll see how that plays off yeah. plays out but the but the Day interesting thing about that guy is yeah is that he worships her and and we get the sense that uh, you know is, is it uh god i can't think of the the nordic uh city that you, you know when you're being held a, pr- a prisoner stockholm for a long syndrome. time you went stockholm syndrome right so it's almost it could certainly be that yeah but he's he clearly worships her and I mean, I'm sure that is. Again, well, we don't know how long he's been. Yeah, you know, but again, like I, you know, that's what I, I. I feel like we almost give. No, we don't give Vivara a pass, but you know, it just because they're guys, it doesn't seem as horrific as it would if it were a dude with a group of young women that he could have sex. He would have sex with whenever he wanted because he held their lives. In, in his hands, you know, and, you know, it's, it's like, again, you know, Fred even mentions the Nazis, you know, uh, you know, one of my favorite bands is Joy Division, but their name is not a nice name, right? Uh, that, the, the Joy Division was, were, were women that the Nazis picked out, I believe Jewish women they not, that they picked out to have sex with. 
that is it is is it's really horrible but i think because we're, we're trained and you know it's like guys were like well he gets to have sex with a, a hot woman like what's wrong with that you know but it, it's not that that's not how it is right like like she holds power over them she holds their lives in her hands she she can make them have sex with her she can make them eat food off the floor and act like a dog uh is completely her you know exhibiting her power over them and you know obviously ever seen a tv show before i know that that situation's not going to last Right. It's interesting that you said that, uh, you know, that we want to give her a pass because I know exactly what you mean. And I think for me, on the one hand, I can recognize all the problems with those point things you just pointed out. But it still seems even 75 years in the future or whatever, you know, however far we are, I guess, 50 years in the future, rather. She's a woman in a man's world, you know, and we see later that night her boys are all dressed and they're outside. She takes them to a club. There's dancing going on. And we notice Keanu's now wearing makeup. I uh, got the cool mesh tops rocking, but in attendance are Ivar's inner circle. And we learn that there is a spot open in his inner circle. And we know that she wants that spot. Now we don't know for sure all the spots are occupied by men, but we kind of get that sense. So when you say we want to give her a pass, on the one hand, we're rooting for her, even though we know we shouldn't be. So I think that's one of the fascinations about her character. And then certainly once he notices his father is one of Ivar's slaves. Right. And... I'm thinking, finally, somebody does something smart, which is to not acknowledge that you recognize him. But I guess he can't help glancing, and we certainly get the idea she notices him glancing, and you know, while she might not know that's his father, she certainly gets the idea that you know there's some sort of a connection there. But she um, does she work it out that she. Had- well, I mean, she notices that he's noticing right. his father. Okay, right, right, right. I mean, she, right. Yeah, she asks about him, and then she asks about Chloe, his mother. Right. And, and her she, death. And Yeah, you know, so I'm like, nah. You know, yeah. like, she's not Kiana's mom. No, like, they would, like, no. I mean, that, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, but that's, like, what I thought. But I'm like, I don't think even, like, now, nah, if. This I, I'm I have to assume I'm more twisted than the show here, and so like yeah, you know, I was gonna say yeah, <laughs> but know. in a good way, dude. Right. Um, <laughs> and then at the very end, she orders him out, and at this point, I'm thinking his refusal is a great response to her, and she sees it the same way because she's impressed that he stands up to her now. Again, I mean, has has she had Lubovnik stand up to her in the past and they're no longer around? Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, sure. So so we'll see how that goes. But but the relationship that's developing, I mean, there's still a, a, a clear power structure here and he's pretty far down. But he's perhaps working his way in to get, a, again, a better sense of where he is and how he can get out. Because even though he doesn't really mention escape here, we know that's certainly got to still be on his mind. So, uh, you know, now live in the crimsons. We always talk about oh, that'd be a good oh, name for a band. I was right about to say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we don't see a whole lot of, of her in, in this episode, and that's fine. We, we've talked before about yeah. how you know, the, well, because honestly, flow. that that's probably the most boring of the three stories. Like, yeah, like you're like yeah. ah, back to the Crimson's. Come on, let's be quick about this. Yeah, well, you know, I I, I guess. Um, but you know, we we talk about Varvara's outfits, and and you know, they're, they're pretty rocking, I must say. Mm-hmm. But when David outfits live in one of the original uniforms of the Euro Corps back from the pre-black December days, you know, on the one hand, I, 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 again, I, I, 
I like the fact that now she's outside of her comfort zone, you know, the, the world that she knew, wearing the uniform of a group that, yeah, I don't want to say she detests the Crimsons. I mean, I think she certainly can understand that fundamentally they seem to be on the right side. But, you know, even that's not crystal clear. But he tells her it's not just a piece of clothing and that she's got to now obey orders. And of course, one of the things we've learned about Liv is that, I, I guess like her siblings, they generally don't obey orders. They're not joiners, if, for sure. Yeah. yeah so, uh, you know, so I, I kept waiting for him to smile or her smile. But I guess on the one hand, he's really being serious that, okay, fine, we had sex and it was great and I want to do it again. But uh, you still got to do what I tell you in the context of, you know, the military missions. And she starts training. They're all issued weapons. Is that her crossbow that she finds? Yeah, you know, I was wondering that. But I, why would it be, right? That the Crimsons didn't go well, back to the original well, well, place, did they? Well, I guess they did yeah, go well, back for the, the, the ship, right? Yeah. Right, and and they that's where they found her. She wasn't too far from, uh, you know, her little campsite area. So you assume they scavenged weapons while they were there. I mean, you, why wouldn't you? But the, but the guy the, is it, right. Like, like really? That's what you're taking yeah. to defend yourself? Like, uh, I know, and it's funny because they're they're running back to back for I don't know a couple of days. The Hunger Game movies mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, you know, it's again one of those things that okay, fine. I'm I'll I'll, I'll play along for a few hours here. Right, but Katniss so, uh, didn't have the opportunity to pick up a machine gun. Like if she did, she'd have been like, <laughs> you know, f this bow and arrow. Give me the M16. You know, <laughs> right, right. But I guess the big takeaway in this segment of this episode is that David hasn't told his superiors about this mission the reality then comes crashing down on him that dude, we knew what you were doing all along. You're done. You're court martialed yeah. or whatever, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be, uh, facing char or you're going to be charged with treason. He's told mission over. So what's going to happen now? I mean, it seems virtually impossible to believe that live is going to, uh, let this ride. So, Oh yeah. I, I mean, we, we, we know she's going to yeah. go to Berlin. Yeah, she's going to yeah. get there. I mean, there's no no question how at this point we don't know. She seems to be thwarted every way. But well, you know, one thing you said about about David before in the uniform is that while there are almost everyone in this show, especially like the crows, has some kind of ulterior you know motive and everything. You know, he is like genuine, right? Like he he doesn't have like an agenda. He's not trying to take over. I mean, his, it's his dad that's in charge of crying out loud. You know, he just wants to, I mean, he genuinely seems to want to make the world a better place. Yeah. Well, I don't know that we know that's his dad, right? It, it, I it's think the person's name is father Cameron. So oh, maybe that's uh, what tripped know, me up. Right. So we don't know that. I mean, it won't surprise me if it turns out to be that, but you know, I guess he, I just, cause he was, he called him father, right? But I yes, guess he did. right, because the guy's name is Father Kim, right? So Right. So ah, uh, I'm stupid. All but, right. <laughs> but but nah, but but no, but I agree with you there. And and, and again it, it goes back to what I said about the Crimsons in general, that fundamentally they they seem to be trying to do the right thing, which is protect the weak as we can and, and somehow restore order to the world, and you might not like all of the things we have to do along the way to do that. But our, our motives are, yeah, I hate to say the word pure, but pure ish. Right. So pure-ish. well, they still have uh, like, you know, backstabbing because that dude who, of course, sure, that seemed like that. The big dude had like a slight Australian accent to you. It wouldn't surprise. I was me, trying but. to, to, to place that. I'm like, yeah, cause he doesn't sound like, he sounds like someone from. It, it definitely wasn't British, but 
maybe a slight Australia slash New Zealandish type accent. I don't know. Um, there was just a couple words he said that seemed like that. So I don't know. But yeah, but, I mean, one thing we see because like Bracker is clearly British, right? So sure. I mean, there are definitely people here. We've got people from Mongolia. And now we've got a British guy and potentially an Australian guy. So, I mean, I think what we talked about is the that migration of the people of Europe is definitely a thing, right? That, that people right. have migrated right. all over the place. And hence, you know, the need for a, a, a lingua franca like English uh, because there are so many language clusters and people have moved around and it's the decentralization of of the the states you know now it's just there's people all over the place speaking tons of different languages and you know in the cold open with elia and moses journey i mean we see amina telling them that not fusion modules not repairable maybe bracker can help you and and we learn he's in the southern regions which what the southern regions of germany we guess but elia's upset it's got to be repaired because of his promise to the pilot but then that part where he feels he's abandoned his tribe and i try to be cognizant of the fact that he's still pretty young i I, did we learn he was 13 maybe something like that i feel like that because they yeah because that first thing we saw of him he was right of passage right, right exactly so i'm thinking okay fine you made the promise but the whole part about betraying your tribe isn't this bigger than the tribe i mean if this message is truly that important as you're making it out to be i mean i get that he feels he betrayed his tribe but i mean i guess you know that conflict that he's got within himself is it you know i mean is narratively interesting so we'll see how that plays out i don't think he's going to let go of getting the cube to where he feels it needs to go which is uh, of course back to right, the atlanteans so yeah he has no idea where it's supposed to go right but yeah but moses raises right. a good point he's like you you know you're no good if you were lying there dead with them yeah what good is that going to do the world right so yeah. get over it i mean yeah obviously survivor's guilt is a thing and you know there's and that's verifiable and and there's a justifiable emotion for him to feel like that but on the other hand it's like on the other hand, turn around, look, you're alive. You'd absolutely be doing no good to anyone if you were dead. Alive, you have a chance to to make things happen, change things potentially. Dead or alive, Amina, does she get out of there alive? For sure. Okay. We're definitely going to see her I, I mean, again. Okay, I hope so. She's, she's a great character. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of her, but I really like what we we see so far. I, I think because, um, of course, you know, like you said, she's she's a great character. Draws us in right away. We we love her right away. If they were going to kill her off, you're going to get an emotional. You, you know, it's going to be an emotional moment, right? Not just happening uh, off screen, and then you know we never see her again. So I'm pretty sure we're going to see yeah. Amina again. Yeah. Plus, I don't think this is probably the first time that you know she faced down some crows. She walked right at them. She wasn't scared of them. So I think she knows what to do. Because I, I also think the possibility, and maybe this is more of a modern way that you know genre writers approach things, I, I could also see us just never finding out. We will see. But Bracker is definitely a cool dude when they finally come face to face with him. And not that we didn't expect Moses has a checkered past, shall we say, and, and apparently owes this guy a lot of money, but that... That one Apple, I guess, futuristic iPad or whatever it is, which was really cool. But apparently that's going to more than apparently not. Well, well, but he says that was going to more than pay off what you owe me. So what's with all the other stuff? I think we're all thinking the same thing. Dude, don't show your hand this early. And Elliot just blurts out, do you have a fusion module? Because I have a atlantean right. cube that needs one well uh, i don't yeah, know he says that part but that's pretty yeah, obvious yeah yeah i mean you get a feeling that that moses kind of had a, a plan right like he knows this this is gonna be tough this is gonna be a tough sell but let me clear my debts first 
and then maybe we can now we can start bargaining on a, a basis as equals here, right? Yeah, and uh, and of course, like you said, Elia just completely blows it all up. So any any positive we said about him and his self control goes completely out the window, right? But and, you know, like you said, he's a kid. He's he's impulsive yeah. and everything. He's he's really young. He has he, he's like I mean, we talked about Keanu being in a world he's never seen before. I mean, Elia, first of all, even if he were grew up in a world, like probably going to this bar at 13 years old is still going to probably be a completely mind-blowing experience for him. But being a 13-year-old kid, grew up sheltered in the woods with the Origines, like his, he's completely and utterly out of, out of his depth, out of his world, um, so I guess maybe we, we give him a little bit of grace here for, for, well, that's true. I, I, I think for me though, one of the things that comes out of the three siblings story is that we understand why their father trusted Liv to be in charge Yeah, because she, she does seem to have the cooler head, seems to really get a better handle of what's going on around her and how she should act. Well, ha- and, has and, a, know, a better idea of what the world is like outside of where the Origines live. You know, for Keanu, yeah, you know, before sure. it was just like, you know, I want to get out, right? So he doesn't he doesn't know anything besides this provincial sheltered life. Um, and Ellie, of course, is even more so, except for with his head filled with you know this idea of finding out what happened with Black December. And Liv is the one who actually seems to understand how the world operates. Yeah. Right. But but it's also in how she deals with the people around her. And as we said last time, her, her whole relationship with David could simply be, you know, her manipulating him to ultimately get what she wants, which is you know, the release of her family. So so, you know, we'll definitely see about that. But um, well, yeah, we wouldn't be surprised up? at all to find out that. It was a manipulation. I know we talked about that last week, and we weren't sure. I'm still not sure, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it were. And I know everyone's saying, "But Wayne, you've already seen Tribes of Europa." Yeah, but I don't remember. So uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Which is, I guess, the beauty of doing this show. Yeah. In in that regard. So, all right, what haven't we talked about? You want to bring up? Oh, when uh, so you know, Keanu before all he wanted was to participate in the Boge, right, and get his freedom. But oh, he's, yeah. when he actually sees it, you just look at, I mean, and props, I, I should have written down the name of the actor. I know we're terrible. We never do this. Um, but, you know, the, the, the kid who, who plays Keanu did just a, a really, really good job uh, with this episode. And the look on his face as he watches the Boge, and we see he's almost like, oh, oh. Yeah. that's what it is that's right and, and it's a woman against a man yeah, right yeah but it's absolutely brutal and, you know no holds barred to you know fight to the death and and you know i don't know what he thought it would be like maybe just a couple guys you know with boxing gloves on or something with the marcus of queensbury rules but uh you know that's not, he, he's horrified by by what he sees and of course also it's in this context of He's in this huge nightclub and everyone's wearing like latex and and with chains hanging from their nipples and shit and everything like um you know again just the thrown into a world that he just has never seen before. All right. Anything else? Yeah, one other thing and I know you'll appreciate this cuz you used to teach night but um you know when Jacob is being beaten by the the capitan. Oh. Yeah. And uh and Keanu just watches, right? And um that that's almost like just straight out uh, they, they must have pulled that from from Knight because that's a, one of the biggest, most emotional parts of the book where he you know, his own father is being beaten by one of the capos in the concentration camp and, and young Eliezer just watches it happen. You know, it, it's it, I, you know, obviously there's no absolutely zero judgment because what what's he going to do you know is he going to rush at this well, guy? right and that's you know he wouldn't well, he right. wouldn't get two steps before he was dead right so 
Right. And, and, and that's part of the, the, the struggle that he has after that scene. It just what should I have done? Did I do all I could do? And yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I'm sure you're absolutely right. Yeah, I that, just, it, it didn't hit me, scene. I don't think, the first time I saw it. But this time I'm like, oh my God, it's just like that, that scene from Night. So, and BT dubs out there, if you have not read Ellie Wiesel's Night, um, just stop listening to this right now. Go get that book. It's only a little over 100 pages, and it will, it's, it, it will just, it is one of the most emotionally powerful books I've ever read. And if you haven't read it, you, you absolutely need to read it. And if you have read it, which probably most of you have, um, you know what I'm talking about. So, I mean, if you haven't read it and you've gone to high school in the last 20, 25 years, you need to probably contact your local board of education and ask them what the hell's going on. So yeah, absolutely. We'll leave we'll leave it at that. All right. Well, let's get to some listener feedback and hear what Fred's got for us this week. We'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Tribes of Europa, season one, episode four. Dominatrix Varvara. Sorry, Lord Varvara. Is she really a dominatrix? I don't think so. In a dominatrix, uh, I think the man like that the woman is dominant. Uh, I don't believe these men like that. But it's a complete role reversal here, which is actually quite good. But if you see where she lives and the stairs and the house, etc., and these flags, etc., you really, really get a Nazi-like feeling here. It was already there, but it's now even more. If we see what they eat at Vavara's dinner table, it's all kind of jellies with nice colors and different layers, but it all looks like the bulk that comes out of the factory. And actually in Snowpeaser, the tailies were also fed by these kind of jelly-like bricks, although they were quite dark, dark brown, black, had no colors. But if you see what comes out of the Volk factory and you see what is on the table, it's just a little bit visually made nicer, but it still are bricks of jelly. So obviously this is all they can produce to eat because you can expect that at the dinner table of somebody like Lord Vavara, there will be the most luxurious food, but still there is only jelly on the table more or less. So I think they really have a food production problem. On the other hand, they have pigs, because dead slaves are fed to the pigs. Oh, before I forget it, some funny thing about the last podcast. You were referring to the Moses as a kind of Han Solo figure. Oh, uh, sorry, according to my wife, I should say character here. And that's exactly what my wife said, but not so much about Moses in general, but especially about Moses and Amina meeting. So they come somewhere and then the woman is going to shoot or is in fighting the person and then we find out that they actually had a relationship and my wife was doubting if it was a Han Solo thing or a Raiders of the Lost Ark thing. It was a Harrison Ford thing whatsoever. We couldn't think of the exact scene she means, but I have the feeling it's true. There there was some situation like that, and I, I think it's in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I believe you, Wayne, are watching Star Trek Discovery, or none of you? These shoes of Lord Vavara really reminded me of the strange hoofs of Saru in Star Trek Discovery. Absolutely inspired by it, I think. That Brocker would take the cube of Moses and Elia's hand was, of course, very, very predictable. It also was silly that they took the cube with them into Brocker's place. I would have hidden it somewhere outside okay that was all for now greetings all the best fred from the netherlands you know i mean he talks about the role reversal with varvara and the boy toys as we said but you know when fred brings up the the idea about the food and and the jelly color cubes it it gets me to thinking well can't they farm i mean i don't want to say that farming's not that hard because i understand it is but 
it's not like getting a nuclear reactor facility up and running. So is food production a problem or or did they or find I out mean, how to you know create a synthetic you know form of nutrition that you know replaces agriculturally produced food? Yeah, well, um yeah. Soil or is it a bunch but, of bugs churned like in Snowpiercer? Fred is absolutely right. Like when I saw this, it totally reminded me of Snowpiercer. I mean, it doesn't look exactly like the the things that you, you you've seen the movie, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you know, I mean, like yeah. they like they churn up like you know huge bugs, and and it makes the food that the people in the tail eat these bricks of like gelatinous type stuff. So yeah, that totally reminded me. Of that. I, you know, I'm just thinking that that you know they they figured out a way to synthesize food that is more efficient and um, less work uh, to to create. Well, well, yeah, sure. That that's probably the case. And you know whether it tastes good or not, who knows? But uh, but the other thing he brings up that I thought well, was there, fascinating, well, actually, and on, I can't there remember another show. Ah, there was definitely a show where they ate cubes like that, and it was like really good. Like the food was delicious. Like the person ate it was like, wow, this is good. damn it. All right, I don't, I don't have to, you'll think of, you'll think about it after we're done yeah, recording. Right. I'm sure. <laughs> but I, I don't remember whether Fred said it was his idea or her wife's idea. But that connecting Moses to Han Solo, or is it the character? You know, uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Harrison Ford's character, that is. Yeah. So now that he mentions it, I can absolutely see it. And, and it's, it's, well, yeah. And again, I, it, it, I know. No, it, I was just going to say, you, you always point out, especially with Spider Man, it's like, uh, you know, hey, of course they're doing this. And, and here it's like, come on, of course they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, making that yeah, connection. Absolutely. And, and I said Han Solo, but now that Fred said that, I'm like, you know what? You're right. It's the scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark when he goes back and sees Marion again, and she's like, "You've got a lot of nerve showing up here." And he's just like, "Yes, damn it, that's the scene I was thinking of." It's not Han Solo; it's Indiana Jones, right? When he, yeah, the first time right. he sees Marion, and he had, you know, they had left on very bad terms, and he'd been away, and now he came back looking for something, and she was, you know, really resistant to that idea. So, yep, that's it. Totally, your 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 wife right. or you? I can't remember. I think your wife. She uh, she completely nailed it, uh, Fred, with the the right. Raiders of the Lost Ark reference. Right, but to be fair, he does still have a little bit of Han Solo vibe to him sure. as well. Well, so, because uh, it's really a Harrison Ford vibe. You know, how many yeah, characters yeah, has yeah, he yeah. has he played so. that have been like that? You know, yeah. before you start um, playing Jack you know, Ryan. Uh, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I guess I'm going to go B plus again. I mean. I you know, I'm going to go a really good episode on this one, and I'm going to I'm going okay. to go because and I'm going to I'm going to give it to the guy who plays Keanu and say that his okay. acting for me uh, stepped it up enough that I could. Uh, this, this is the first one that I think I could I could get it. Well, I don't know if it's the first we gave an A to maybe, but uh, yeah. I think I think I'm going A minus with this one. Okay, all right, sounds good. All right, uh, any final thoughts? Um, oh well, Fred. I'm not watching Star Trek Discovery. I think we watched the. Do we? Do we? Do we podcast on the first one? Uh, I don't know. I, I saw the first have. two and didn't really care for it. So yeah, I, I think I think did. we I we talked about anymore. the the pilot. Um, but then you know it was on like whatever it's on Paramount or whatever that yeah so. You know, I'll, I'll do the the free week of subscription to Paramount when the next season of Picard comes out. Uh, yeah, we did do it. Uh, Star Trek Discovery back on September twenty ninth, twenty seventeen. All right. Uh, I gave I gave it a B. You gave it an A minus. But okay. So, anyway, all right. Well, Fred, thank you for the feedback, and and again, thank you for the input from your wife uh, as well. But that will do it for this week's episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about anything going on in your genre world and certainly what you think about 
uh, Tribes of Europa on HBO Max. But we will be back next week to talk about Chapter 5 of the German Netflix post-apocalyptic tale, Tribes of Europa. But until then... You know, Dave, as we're sitting here talking, I'm just wondering, is there not anyone on this shitty continent you don't have an issue with? <laughs>